0: Welcome, everyone, live from Kirk College in Werribee, Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Mac Live on Live FM. My name is Dante Barani and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Dario, Seth and Matt. And today our special guest is um, Detective Damien Omani. How are we, sir? Um, well, thanks. <laughs> well, thanks good. for having me. Yeah, it's, it's our pleasure. Um, i got my first question. Um, why did you become a police officer?
1: Uh, good question. i get asked it in circumstances like these. Nearly every time because everyone wants to know why. Why would you yeah. do it? <laughs>
0: I think everyone does. <laughs> yep.
1: yep. Um, no, so I um, was a student here, as it turns out. Um, oh, really? Yep. Yep. I came to this school um, with, and my brothers, Well, our family came here. And my oldest brother, who's about five years old, I left, joined the army for a bit and then joined the police uh, while I was still at school. I didn't really have an idea what I wanted to do. He um, joined, oh, I think I was about 15 or 16. And so I just saw what he was doing, heard the stories. Um and yeah sort of picked it up from there that, it's always that, the
0: stories that get you to that, go
1: in that's it it became <laughs> a yeah a bit of a target um from what time i was about 15 or 16 yeah it's good yeah. yeah so it was good to have a goal from then that's for sure
0: yeah it's always good i remember when i was your age i was sort of like struggling like what i wanted to do because i knew i wanted to get into mechanics but i didn't know which one i wanted to do so I had a choice there
2: yep yeah. Um, um yeah so i've got a question for you damien um what was the most difficult part of your job so far you find.
1: so I've been doing this job for it'll be 20 years in March next year when I left the police academy, yeah. Um, and it's been somewhat of a roller coaster because <laughs> um, yeah. you do get exposed to really difficult things from time to time, yeah. Um, and I think it would be unfair of me to pick one out. Um, and I'm not trying to avoid your question, mate, at all, yeah. yeah okay, um, it's yeah, so. I worked uh, initially at Williamstown and Footscray, just what, you know, colloquially you'd say on the beat, we call it work in the van Um, and they weren't, well, Williamstown was probably a bit quieter and low key, but Footscray was a difficult place to work, a lot of street crime, a lot of, um, you know, it was just busy and then when I first became a detective, I went into the drug squad and uh, clan lab squad, so targeting meth labs. Oh, yeah. had some real difficult confrontations in that, yeah. Um, and then from there, I went to the homicide squad. And as far as difficult circumstances go, that's where you find it. Yeah. But the alternative to that is that's where you get your most um, job satisfaction.
2: Yeah. You um, have any...
1: Catching someone that does the worst of the worst to someone else and being yeah. able to get a result for someone's family, the job satisfaction really outweighs the difficulties.
2: Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. It's a good answer.
3: Um. So, Damien, what's the best part of your job, or what would you say is the most rewarding?
1: Probably what I was just talking about, yeah, yeah. because um, my job at the moment's a little bit different. Um, I work, I'm work. i back at the truck squad as it turns out, you know, I've bounced around different places, um, never spent more than four years in one particular part of Victoria Police. i found that it's diversified what I'm able to do now, um, as opposed, to, you know, and I don't hold anything against anyone that chooses to join the job and just work the van for the whole career. There's some noble, um, there's some nobility to that, um, to serve your local community, especially guys that work in the country. Um, but yeah, sorry, what was your question again? You uh, what something? was the best part? The best part? Yeah, so the homicide score, like I said, about job satisfaction. So I've, I've got a little bit of a feather in my cap. There's only, I think it's 10, maybe 11 uh, people that have been convicted of murder in Victoria that are currently serving a sentence of life imprisonment that are not allowed to get out of jail. So in 2012, I investigated a, a homicide matter where the um, the man that was accused and convicted of it, he was sentenced to life in jail and... You might think this is pretty morbid. <laughs> but um, as far as job satisfaction goes and, and enjoying what you do and getting a result, seeing a family, that that investigation, that result is as best as we can do. Yeah. You know, we, we used to have capital punishment in um, in Victoria, the death penalty. We don't have it anymore, thankfully. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, you can disagree, agree with that. But life imprisonment with no parole is the maximum sentence someone can get. And when someone kills someone else, you know, there's different theories about it, there's all these different reasons. Um, that's that's as best a result you can get for for a victim's family. Um, so that was probably the highlight. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Uh, what was the. I'm just going to hustle a little um, extra on to that. What was the most interesting case you actually worked?
1: Um, there was a. So I worked, like I said, at the clandestine laboratory squad yeah. as a detective for about three years and then moved into homicide. Right. Um, and there was a case that crossed over in both, which was interesting at the time because I had just been at uh, working the meth labs and then um, had this real interest to get to homicide and we had an investigation running, not my particular team, but it sort of got legs, this investigation, when they get big, everyone gets involved Um, and there was this particular syndicate of organised crime, uh, we call them targets, who were cooking methamphetamine, ice, um, in really great quantities. Um, They had a professional qualified, uh, university qualified chemist um on the on their books, they had a pilot so they could fly their product Jesus up Christ. around Australia. Yeah, really properly organized, really well funded. A full system going on there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So the crew's working on this investigation and then when they they get a call from the homicide squad saying we think this murder might be connected. Yeah. Wow. And everyone's interest sort of peak like, well this is this is at the highest level. Um and yeah, as it turns out, there was uh the resolution happened down at St. Leonard's. I don't know if you know St. Leonard's coastal place past long there, beautiful little town. They'd hired a country property to cook their meth. Jeez. We uh ended up raiding that property, found all the meth, searched the whole property and in the shed. Unfortunately, we found the remains of a victim of a homicide. Oh, right. Um yeah, he was part of the syndicate. There was all sorts of stories and you know, um about why. Um and, the understanding was that he was blamed for some some drugs that went missing or something and um, in those circles, you know, mistakes that get made, I met with the ultimate price.
0: Yeah. Well, what do the labs look like? like are, they, are they normally clean or are they sort of dirty?
1: My experience was that they're generally pretty dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that, that one case in particular, there was a couple like it where you'd have a, a properly qualified chemist who knows what he's doing yep. um, and can probably do it safely probably uh, and will keep it clean because they are these people that um, we call them kind of like, even like a nutty professor, like everything, like OCD has to be perfect. Yep. You know? um, but they can – a, a clan lab, like there's no laboratory can look like anything. You could be looking at one and not know it. It's a, it's a crazy thing. Um, they can look like um, something you might have in your lab when you go to science here at school, um, glassware, you know, chemicals, Fish heat um so whether it's gas heat um, yep. flames or or just electric hot plates um, you need water you need heat and you need your chemicals yeah that's how you make
0: they don't normally like hide them underneath houses or is it all like in like a it's difficult yeah
1: because you've got to be able to move around it you've got to have some space yeah um like baking a cake you know you want to be in a kitchen where yeah. you've got some space and you've got to have somewhere way to store things and 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 make things um but a client lab can be a plastic lemonade bottle with a couple of chemicals thrown in it and the lid put on and you can just leave it there. The chemicals react Jeez. Um, and they become a product that can be used to make methamphetamine. That's what we could call a lab and that yeah. can be as dangerous as it gets because it's in the back of someone's car and it changes temperature and it becomes a, a potential explosion. Jesus. They're, they're, they're crazy things. They really are. Um And probably, I started there in 2009. And probably in the 10 years leading into that, Victoria Police and as an organization targeted the safety aspect and uh, made it more of an expert sort of area, like train people up so that you know what you're doing. Because, you know, you go into when I call it a raid, we could, you know, to go search a property for a clan lab. Yep. Um, You're sending in as many as 15 police into this potentially volatile, explosive environment where there's probably not a great amount of oxygen. <laughs> um, you know, everyone's with their with, you know, full safety kit. Yep. Um, yeah, they're, they're crazy things. <laughs> yeah. It would be. All right. I've yeah. got a question, Damien. What are your personal experience with the youth crime? Uh, in general? Um, yeah. Just youth crime in general? Um, probably not as much as you'd expect because <laughs> um, I don't tend to think in What I do now, especially in the drug work where I am, um, and homicide at Clan Labs, those places, there's not a lot of youth crime. But between 2016 and 2019, uh, I came back out here and worked at Werribee, um, with the uniform police and with the detectives. Um, and I probably saw it most mm. uh, youth crime most in that environment, um, you know. The city of Wyndham is a couple of hundred thousand people, yeah. um, a lot of new housing estates around the edge, a lot of new families, um, new young families, obviously a lot of kids. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm not, I don't get political about things like this, but you know, you in those new developments, um, there's not a lot of stuff to do. Yeah, no, it's not really. Simple as that. Isn't yeah, it? Um, You know, you live out the back of tarnate Truganina, Winderville, Manor Lakes, those places all the way around the edge. You've got to get on a bus to get into Eagle Stadium or to the, to the plaza or even just to do, you know, I don't know what kids really do these days. like, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, just to go hang out and see each other. Um, if you end up having to walk to your mate's house late at night, um, you know, who knows who's on the streets, things, yep. I, I wouldn't say it was ever dangerous, but... You know, unfortunately, out there. unfortunately, anything can happen. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, and kids, unfortunately, just get involved. You know, I'm not saying anyone's bad or or, or worse than anyone else, but it can be just situational. Well, you know, um, accidental, accidental criminals. You call them guys that had never intended to go out and do anything wrong, but just find themselves in that situation, and and stuff happens. Yeah,
0: a bit tough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yep. Um, if if you're just tuning in now, um, this is Mac Live on Live FM from Macul from Warraby from McElope College in uh, um, this is in Melbourne, Australia. My name is Dante Brown. These are my co-hosts Ariel Seth, and Matt, and our special guest today is Dame is Detective Damien. Um, all right, next question. Um, So, what what do you think are the big issues with crime oh, and like youth crime and all that? Like, what do you think? So?
1: <sighs> That's a big, broad question, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the issues? Um, so when I was working at Werribee, we, we worked on something called offender management. All right. it's, a, it's a pretty new concept in our organisation. When I say new, the last few years um, they do it. They've been doing it in England for a long time in the oh, West okay. Midlands, um, where uh, when someone gets involved in criminal activity, convicted of crimes, um, you want to rehabilitate someone, don't you? You yeah. don't want to send them to jail.
0: Yeah, no, you want to you know sort of show them what they've done wrong, like you know, teach them how to be you know,
1: better. Exactly, and when they can catch people out uh, and get them into that. Sort of stream younger, surely we'd get better results. Yeah. So we had uh, this thing uh, at Altona North. I was uh, over there working in the plain clothes with the guys there, and they started a little task force called Wayward. Um, there was a fair bit of street crime going on um, in our, our division, which included right up to Footscray and around to Altona. Um, so rather than targeting the guys, the, the young people who were committing the crimes to put them in jail, you know, to send them to Piranha or um, the, the one up at Malmesbury there. Um, the target was we want to solve the crime, obviously, and help the victims out. Yeah. But at the same time, we want to try and rehabilitate these guys and get them back into normal social settings mm-hmm. as best we can um, to try and get them away from the crime. Yeah. Um, so that would involve, you know, someone gets caught. They get charged, still might have to go to court once or twice, but we don't chase that jail sentence yeah. for someone like that. Um, we get involved with mum and dad. We go see mum and dad regularly. Right. We go to school say, how's school going? Is he coming to school? Yep. Um, we just try and get involved. We get involved in other social services, youth services, to try and get them involved in. If school's not for them, what other programs are there? Yeah. Do you, do you make sport? them
0: do like community
1: work, so like clean up, or that's not something that we would have done, because oh. um, that tends to feel more like a punishment. Oh yeah, I see do you know what I mean? What, yeah, when we it's like know, clean your room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, try and find things that the person's interested in. To draw them away from what was interesting, you know, hanging out late at night with a group of guys who aren't real good mm-hmm. was probably cool and interesting. Then something bad happens and they get charged with a crime. So from then on, helping make someone realize, well, maybe that hanging out at 10 o'clock at night, that's the right thing. What do you want to do? What else could you do? Yeah, Can we get you go to into a sport that has training at night so you're not over there? Um, Get a job. Yeah. You know, what do what you like doing? Do you like working with your hands? Do you want to work? And we try and help um put people together, you know, start some relationships to get people into situations that are not what got them in trouble.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, that makes sense. Well, why are people more likely to re-offend? I've got a question about to the jail system in general because I know in other countries uh, they have more, I want to say, humane jail uh, kind of systems where it's more like a home instead of uh, an actual prison. Do you reckon something like that would help out in Australia or would not make too much of a difference with re-offending? <laughs>
1: I think it's will- – I-, I would say that I'm willing to try anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, why-, why wouldn't we try whatever we can to keep people out of jail? Exactly. Um, so we do have in Victoria different levels of incarceration. Oh, yeah. Um, it's funny. I was actually listening to a podcast on the way here and <laughs> I'm a cop. I don't listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Yeah. But I've recently started working with a guy I knew from 10 years ago and he goes, you've got to listen to John Sylvester and Adam Shan. They talk about people that we know, yeah. that we know that in person, so it makes it a bit different. Um But he had a a guy on his podcast, John Sylvester, um, who was um, charged with a serious crime uh, and eventually acquitted, but he spent a lot of time on remand. Yeah. So he was in jail for like 18 months and never got got convicted of a crime. Yeah. So when you think about that, and how can you reconcile that in your mind? Like, we've taken away 18 months of his life. Not only did we take away 18 months of his life because we put him in jail, he was in like isolation. Yeah. uh, 23 hours a day, lockdown. Oh, God. And he hadn't been convicted of a crime yet. Yeah. that From a perspective of human rights, where does that sit? It doesn't That's, feel right. It's not, it does, yeah. does it? No. Um, but, you know, you've got to take into account that he's been accused of the, the most serious crime he can do. Mm. Um, he's before the courts. So there's clearly a, an amount of evidence that the police and the prosecutors, the lawyers have decided he's got to go before it. Where's yeah. the risk to the community lie in that time? So there's... There's from that perspective at the most serious level, um, places like the Acacia Unit at Port Phillip Prison and a bar. there's I can't remember what it's called, but they have the serious, you know, maximum security. Mm. Um, and then there's um, prisons in the country areas. There's one at Sale. There's one up at Bendigo, medium security. So you know, there's still high walls, and yeah. um, but internally, uh, the the population of the prison are more free to move. Yeah, yeah. Get involved in, um, you know, paid work inside the prison. Or even work to get to a qualification for when you get out. So there are those systems in place. Yeah, that's cool. And then there is a there is a place out at Ararat where it is more like a community village, little yeah. individual houses where the prison population think of like an elderly person's village, you know, that's gated with maybe just some protections um, for the people that live there, but they're really free to move Yeah, um, to try and reintegrate to the community. Yeah. So, as far as your questions concerned about what we can do, I, th- I think we could try anything. Yeah. <laughs> if think like when I talked about that offender management system before from the from England, that took some real, um, like diplomacy internally within our organisation to get that going. Yeah. It just yeah. needs someone interested. Um, to try new things. Yeah. yeah.
0: What's the difference between the um medium and high like we'll guess high risk um, presence like.
1: So like any real difference? What's the difference in the actual prison or the yeah, people that
0: in are in the it? in in um, people themselves.
1: All, all the people are different everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so the really, the really high maximum security prisons house either the most dangerous people, so yep. the people that are dangerous to the community, all right. the people who have the highest risk of trying to escape. So they consider someone that's got a sentence that's under a sentence that have to be in prison for more than 10 years. All right. as a as a serious risk of escape because why would you want to be in jail for more than 10 years? Mm. Yeah. Um but then there's also another element to it, which kind of came into it with that guy I was talking about that didn't get convicted of this, the risk to his welfare. Um the prisoners that want to uh hurt other prisoners. Yeah. So there's that element of security as well. Right. Um so things like lockdown, 23 hour lockdown, you know, sounds inhumane, but We'd rather have people alive at the end of the day to face court and then get out if they yeah. are acquitted yep. than people get hurt in jail when they're not maybe not even supposed to be there. Yeah, um, yeah. the different levels, It's it, like I said before, it goes from people being able to just wander around and tend to their garden all the way up to someone that's locked down for most of their life.
2: Yeah.
3: All right. All right. Um, you've talked before about some other programs, but um, what are the programs in Vic Police that you're really proud of?
1: Well, that's a good one. Um, programs is a weird one. What programs within our organization that I'd be proud of? I, I'll probably have a bit of pride in the wayward task force that I talked about before because it was new um, and the offender management systems that were set up for it because there's something in keeping kids out of jail. I, I truly believe that. Like what? why would we send a 15-year-old boy uh, who's maybe done uh, what could be deemed by the community as a pretty serious crime but in his mind he can't fathom and commute uh, and you know compute what he's done um and we're going to put him in a place that's surrounded by people that are going to make him worse um and the systems and the programs that were set up there uh maybe steer that young person away from from going into a life of crime potentially yeah um that was one I was I was pretty proud to be a part of yeah and it really changed me because I'd come from a place where <laughs> And it sounds crazy, but the ultimate goal was to get people that had done the worst crimes to be locked up for the longest amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a real shift for me, but nearly the opposite, a 180 degree turn to say, hang on, maybe if we don't send people to jail, when they're young in particular, maybe we can change mm. people. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I've got a question, Damien. Um, Victoria Police made 645 arrests for crimes committed by offenders aged 10 to 17 in Wyndham. Has the st- statistic gone down since then
1: or has it increased? Statistics are interesting. Statistics could tell us anything we want to know if we interpret them the right way. Do you have a, what's the time frame to that? Do you know the time frame? So it was 645 arrests yeah. for people between the age of 10 and 17. Do we know when that – was that in a year? I believe that was
2: around 2021. So for
1: the year Yeah, last year. Yeah, last year. Um, I, I couldn't tell you straight – I couldn't tell you if it's gone up since then or if that was a rise. What I would say that 2021 is probably not a good reflection um, mm. in any crime statistic uh, or 2020 for that matter because you've got to think about what we've gone through for the last two years yeah. um, with the lockdowns, specifically 2020 um, – we had crime statistics that dropped so remarkably that yeah, no one just you couldn't you can't believe it you can't buy anything into it, um, and arrests also, uh, straight up arrests as a stat um, can sometimes be misleading because you know do they do those people then get charged um, do they face court uh, you know how many crimes are they accused of when they get arrested um, yeah. you know the purpose of the arrest is just as important as the arrest itself. Um, that sounds like a lot, you know, two young people a day are getting arrested in Wyndham. Um, just like punishing your child. (laughs) It sounds crazy. Um, and what what did you say? 2021? Yeah, last year. Last year. So I was back in the city then. I know the year before that would have really surprised me. Uh, I was working at Werribee in 2020, um, with the detectives there. And if you had told me that the next year, 645 people were going to be arrested, I would have said, I I don't think so. I doubt that. (laughs) Um, that's unexpected. Yeah. Jesus, um, <laughs> but uh, let's go back to what we said before. There's 250,000 people. I think I, I don't know what it is yeah, at the moment, but it keeps yeah. going up exponentially. This town, yeah, um, that might not be a lot considering how many young people live here. You know, yeah. you know what are we what are we weighing that number up against? That's a um, tough one.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, what are some crimes? What are some <clears throat> crimes you reckon like you commit mostly if you have if you've ever known?
1: So youth crime What's yeah. the most common one. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, street crime. So we'll have a little law yeah. lesson. Do you guys know the difference between an indictable offence and a summary offence? Not really. Never heard of that one. Uh, you watch American TV, you hear them talk about a misdemeanor and a felony. Yep. yep. <laughs> Hilarious because <laughs> that's not what we call them here. Yeah. But that's the easiest um, explanation. So a felony is the serious side of things and a yep. misdemeanor by definition is, you know, it's a small misdemeanor. It's just something. So yeah. in Victoria, we call them indictable offences the serious ones, and the misdemeanors are summary offences. Okay. And okay. I would say most of youth crime sits well in that lower scale of summary offending. All right. So, for example, um, I don't know, you, you're you out, not you, can't. I won't say you, some young person is out, you know, <laughs> late at night, uh, throwing rocks, rock goes through a shop window. Yeah. That's the end of what happens. Everyone runs away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a summary fancy you a know, misdemeanor damage offence. That's the sort of thing that I would say is youth crime as a problem in, in Werribee. Mm-hmm. Um, at the higher end and at the you know the worst, when I saw it in sort of 19, 2018, 2019, there was some serious home invasions going on and some youth crime, oh, some, some organised youth crime amongst that. So groups of young people that were organising to try and get into houses to steal cars um, for all sorts of different reasons. Um, and that was happening around that time that we were trying to, trying out that offender management stuff. Um, that's at the at the higher indietal scale, you know, aggravated burglary, aggravated home invasion, and that serious crime leads into things with cars that become so dangerous that I really don't even like talking about it because some of the yeah. stuff I saw with people driving around Jesus. you know in the middle of the night at high speeds, four or five young people in a car um was crazy. Yeah. But, but all yeah the ages The youngest I saw was a one off. He was eleven. Oh god. Wow. Yeah. So and that's a kid, you know, he's got he's got other issues he, like it. He's been drawn into some stuff that mm. we wouldn't have ever have seen. He's he's yeah. grown up in a spot. He's been put in a spot where he's just grown up and, and seen nothing else. He's drawn to some guys that are looking after him. He was a little guy. Um, he was a really friendly kid that just yeah. got drawn into some stuff. Um, Jesus, yeah, and became part of one of those offender management uh, programs. Ended up last I heard, he was about sixteen, living in Queensland, going to school. Mm, that's yeah. good. You know, a good positive story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but generally, youth crime sits in that lower scale. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. I ask a question, what resources do you think are needed to uh, uh, help those affected by youth crime or uh, people that re-offend or commit youth crime uh, on top of what we currently have in place?
1: So there's two sides to your question there. Yeah. The first part was about people affected by youth crime. Yeah. So if we talk about victims of the crime or families of the people committing yeah. the crime um, and then you've got the other side of the person themselves. Yeah. Excuse me, I would say... The, from a resourcing perspective, it shouldn't always just come to the police, yeah, you know the knee jerk reaction is fund the police, you know, yeah. give them more money, give them more resource, give them whatever they ne- whatever they need. this crime <laughs> is a problem, yeah. yeah, um if we give the police more money, they'll be able to fix it, yeah, and it's clearly not always the case, yeah. um you know, there's the health system, yeah um particularly things like we haven't even apart from talking about the clan labs before, we haven't even talked about drugs in the community, um mental health, um mm. all these other. Aspects of the health system in particular, which lack the funding that the police always seem to get given, Yeah. <laughs> you know, at a, at a state election or even a federal election, but at a, at a government level, the government wants to always show the community that we're looking after you, yeah. keeping you safe and keeping you secure because we can give the police more money. But potentially those resources are being misplaced and could be put into other services yeah. in the health system. Um, yeah, to, to fix the problems, that what we call the drivers of crime, you know, yeah. drug addiction, mental health family violence in its early stages, that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. So do you reckon like more of the money should go towards like, you know, like helping them out? So sort of like making them into better human beings
1: and all that? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So if that, if that money went into, you know, someone, young person who might have a, you know, a mild addiction, even just drinking al- you know, alcohol or or, um, or cannabis, you know, the, those entry-level yep. um, drugs, if we could put funding in towards services that stop that person at that stage, then they don't find the other drugs that, become more harmful because they're more addictive that yeah. lead them to crime to support that drug addiction yeah mm. um those early those services you know interdicted early could make the huge
3: difference yeah all right yeah um so what do you believe is the biggest um reason youth get into crime like it's just wrong place wrong time or is it external factors
1: <laughs> that's it's a tough one because there's so many reasons you know we we just touched on drugs and mental health, yeah. um, they're probably coming just a little bit later. But that initial um, that initial thing, there's probably two parts to it in my experience from what I saw uh, in that time at Werribee. Um, one is the accidental criminal, you know, the guy that's just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that could start something that could go on for life or it might just be that one-off. But, you know, that um, lack of something to do, lack of interest in anything other than just hanging out with his mates, He's in out late at night and something happens. He, you know, that person, he or her, him or her might not even do something physically, but just their presence alone draws them into some sort of crime and gets them into the system. Yeah. Yeah. it yeah. can't be as simple as that. And it it's sounds a little bit silly, but I call it the accidental criminal. <laughs> mm. um, and then there's the people that you know at the other end of the scale that that they're just bad. <laughs> yeah. and there's very few there's some that are out there they just they just don't want to be part of your normal society where you know we try and do the right thing and follow the rules and 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 help each other out they just don't want to do that yeah. um very rare but that's the other end of the scale yeah. yeah um yeah and then in the middle there's people that you know like we talked about the drugs and mental health that just get involved maybe for a while um and can find their way out of it but um yeah it's it's the the, the drivers the pushes uh the mental health drugs, boredom you know mm. the lack of um acceptance in the community you know feeling left out feeling like they want to go find someone that's you know of similar mind yep. someone that you know form a little group call it a gang if you want doesn't yeah. really make a difference what you call it but it's a group of people in the middle in the, in the middle of the night in a situation that just could go bad yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm. yeah um there's probably a similar question to the arrest but, like there were 44,496 offenders age between 10 and 17 years old in 2020 and 2021. Is this number alarming to you at all or has it gone under control lately?
1: That's alarming, straight up. 44,000 offenders in that same age bracket over that sort of two-year period. Um, let's we'll talk back to what we talked about with statistics. Um, are they individual offenders? Because a crime statistic can come from different sets of data. Um, yeah. That could be... 44,000 uh, offences or individuals that have committed offences. So if you've got one guy that does that's charged with 10 crimes, does that count to 10 in that 44,000 or does that count to one person? That, I think that will count as one One person? person. That yep. seems like a lot then. Yeah. Um, and the other well, – do we talk about – because we talk about crime different sometimes in the police where um, we apply those who died will in summary offences. But something that um, we give a, a ticket, so you're driving your car and it's unregistered, you get a ticket, a penalty notice. Yep. Um. Sometimes we don't include those in that stats because it's not a, a crime per se. It's a traffic offence. Right. Uh, that sounds to me like that's all inclusive. If it's oh. all inclusive though, it's still pretty alarming. Yeah, you know, forty five thousand people. That's um, a lot of numbers being a called lot. being called an offender over a two year period uh, at that age. Yeah. yeah. Um, when we were supposedly in lockdown, going through this pandemic, you know that people weren't actually out and about a lot for yeah. long periods of that. Unless they were breaking the rules. Um, yeah, that, and that's another part of it. You know, We had a whole range of new crimes that they created in yeah. that time that we had to deal with. There's, um, you know, Being further than five kilometres away from home, can you guys remember them? It was being, um, being away from home, it was being out after the curfew, yep. uh, being in groups of more than five. Yep. Um, and seriously, I'm not going to comment about whether they should have been there or shouldn't. That's not my place. You know, In the police, we follow the laws they give us. Yep. Um, whether I agree with them or not. You've you know, got to follow them. We've, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. We've got a lot of discretion. Don't get yep. me wrong when it comes to that, you know, 6 days out away from home, you know, am I going to give that person a ticket? Probably not. <laughs> you got to take into account why people are out and what they're doing. But that wouldn't surprise me if that was a big part of it. Yeah. A whole lot of new crimes that came up in that period. Yeah. It's still alarming. Your question was, was it alarming? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I reckon it is. I've got a question. Does that – how do you um, – you know the use crimes. Does that uh – uh? Play into like you know the parenting and all that, like how it starts. So is poor parenting playing
1: into it, or oh, could do,
0: yeah, yeah, of course. Is it poor parenting and like you know a bit of influence or yep.
1: yep, yep. Well, all of your environmental factors could come into it, couldn't they? Really, you know, yep. Um, in, and they could stem from inside your home, the siblings, parents, extended family in and out of your home, um, and then just outside of your home, your local community, your neighbourhood, who who lives around you. Definitely factors, yep. All right. Um, mm.
2: Do you believe that uh, crime just in general came back more after the lockdown because people, I guess, maybe could be feeling some mental illness
1: afterwards? It could. Yeah, could be a fact. That, so I, I we, look, we actually talked about this. I was working at a place called the Public Order Response Team through most of the last year with all the protests and stuff. Yeah. Um, and we talked about it a bit there because um, – so I managed a team of – police, uh me and another guy managed about eighty yeah. police um who get to work all over the state. So we got to see a lot of different um communities and places and how they were affected by the lockdowns and yeah. even over summer how we were sort of coming out of it. Mm-hmm. I think the the big change was that one minute people are walking around in small groups, not more than five Ks from home, keeping them yeah. to themselves. And then all of a sudden hundreds of people are put back together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, through the summer, um, you know, holidaying partying and maybe have forgotten what it was like yeah. to do it yeah, um, exactly. and letting their hair down, things like that. That could have been an, an influence, but I don't know the actual data, or yeah, the yeah, stats, yeah. but it just it felt to me, particularly through January, February, um, that yeah, just having people out and about on the street, back in pubs and clubs, um, back on the roads. So things like yeah. the road, um, the fatalities. Yeah, um, I can't remember what the stats called, but yeah, the number of fatalities in Victoria dropped off markedly. Yeah. Um, Purely because there's no cars on the road. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to obviously see that rise again because everyone's back out there. Yep. Um. So yeah, hundred yeah, percent a factor. Yeah. What were the crime stacks
0: like in 2020? Was it just uh, my memory of it is they dropped, dropped seriously. They grew really like by a marginal amount. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. By by, like. <laughs> Ridiculous, ridiculous amounts amount. that, that in any review of crime statistics say over the last five to ten years you would put an asterisk next to 2020 and say you can't you know you have to take that out as an anomaly yep. because it wouldn't make sense to at it over a long period of time um, because of what happened yeah good god yeah.
2: <laughs> i don't know if you know the answer to this one but i'll just jump it out there um with cybercrime did that jump up a lot during
1: lockdowns uh, I wouldn't attribute the lockdowns to that. Yeah. Yeah. Cybercrime has become a whole new problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't even, for, through, probably from when I started with the police, it's probably one of the things that's taken off the most. Yeah. Um, the, so I'll give you the two cybercrime and uh, sex offences. Yeah. So, real touchy subject that people don't like to talk about, but obviously we have to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. How old are you guys? You guys are sort of 15, 16? Um so 18, 18, 17, yeah, or 17. 18, I'm, 17, I'm, sorry. I'm 19. Oh, 19. Right, sorry, guys. <laughs> um, so about five, six, seven years ago, uh, something called the Me Too movement.
0: Oh, yeah, I remember that. Heard of that? Remember? I it? Heard Whether of that.
1: you've heard of it or remember it, it was huge and it still is a big part of society. Yeah. It really encouraged people who were victims of um sex crime, sex offenses, um, offenses against a person assaults to report them. Yeah. yeah. And that changed the the way we looked at. That sort of um, crime, and then in the, at the same time, cybercrime has clearly changed yeah, what we do. Yeah. Um, it drives because uh, now all everything.
0: they were <laughs> every now they were just like relied on technology, so it's just you, become more of a bigger thing every day.
1: Why would you? Put, so I'll put it to you this way: Why would you leave your home to go and break into someone else's home to steal their car to commit crime like that when you can sit at your computer yeah. and make ten times money? Yeah, doing yeah crime you can that just way.
0: send an email, they can click on it and oh, all, all their money is just gone.
1: Yep, yep. Uh, that So, yeah, so fraud is, yep. is a huge part of cybercrime. Um, even drug trafficking, we see it a lot on the dark web. Um, you can sit at your computer and you can arrange the trafficking of large amounts of drugs across the world mm-hmm. without even leaving your desk. Far <laughs> out. Um, you can, uh, yeah, crimes against the person, we talk about threats to you know, harassment and threats and stuff over the um, over email, over any all forms of social media. Um, all that's a whole different way we have to look at that crime. Yeah. Um, uh, for, when I talk about fraud, talking about money laundering, cryptocurrency. Yeah. Do you think people that manage me, guys, you know, um, been in the job 30 years, have any idea what cryptocurrency yeah. <laughs> <probably not. laughs> is, where it's come from, how it works? You know, these there's, there's a, executive levels of Victoria Police that have to learn these brand new things and concepts. Yeah. Uh, that's really difficult. Yeah. um because it's yeah, it's,
0: it's it's changed since the way it used to be. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, well, it all always used to be cash. Yeah, cash everywhere. And yeah, now um, it's all online. You can't see it. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> it's right. We still obviously cash is still a thing. You know, online banking took over from that a lot, and now we've got this cryptocurrency to deal with. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, learning new stuff at an older age isn't easy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. It, it is cyber crime's huge, yeah, and it's yeah. probably where where I work at the moment. The drug squad, uh, we work within the crime command. About eight hundred people in that command. Um, it probably used to have say thirty or forty um, cyber crime. In fact, in about two thousand and nine, there was about fifteen yeah, <laughs> cyber yeah. crime investigators. It's something like eighty or a hundred now. <laughs> Good, oh, like it's kind of ex- yeah, exponentially, yeah. and needed. that's only going to get bigger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. What are some of the main crimes? So I know you said fraud. What
1: was the other ones? Just uh, online crimes Yeah. so the main one is fraud yeah, to fraud. commit fraud online is just so simple yep. I- identity fraud and then fraud to um, create thefts and yep. financial advantages Um, and then uh, over social media it's probably more those crimes against the person threats, harassment family yep. violence sort of stuff Yeah. Um, and then to a lesser extent the drug trafficking stuff can happen over the internet um, quite easily but yeah fraud is driven by you know money um, and it's huge yeah yeah. Because
0: I get a lot of fake emails from the bank. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Delete. Yeah, just delete them. <laughs> delete. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah. I think you answered a question similar to this, but um, what are some crimes that youth are more likely to commit? Like just, you said before, minor things like breaking a shop window or something. Yep.
1: It was probably more in the realm of uh, speaking generally. Um, So that's that was one example. But when we talked about the um, indictable versus summary, the serious versus less serious, the the crimes that the you know the youth crime that we see, particularly in Wyndham, was at that lower level. So you know, damages to stuff, you know, crimes driven out of boredom um you know young people aren't going out to try and commit a crime to make millions of dollars yeah <laughs> um, or you know to really go out and hurt people I never saw that um that the only times we saw that was when those groups would form um we saw some cultural stuff driving some crimes against people where where groups of kids and other groups of kids would come together and try and hurt each other it's probably the most serious that it got yeah. um but you know I remember being at one of the one of the more serious ones I one night, I was out in wherever with another detective, and we were driving around and we came across this van. Um, and it, you know, we tap that registration into our little computer we got on our phone now, and it tells us it's stolen. Um, so we follow it for a bit, and eventually the tires pop, and it falls over, and the side door of the van goes open, and there was twelve young people that pile out of this van and just run. Um, you know, that's that's probably the more serious one of the more serious crimes, but still, none of those kids, the guy that stole it maybe, is one of those ones. that's probably you know. On the wrong path, the yes. rest of them were just there because their mates were there. Yeah, you know they were bored; they had nothing else to do. They end up in this van where anything could happen. You know, imagine yeah. if he rolls it, he crashes it. Yeah, um, but that's just yeah the, that lower level crime, definitely with, with the youth in Werribee yeah could peer pressure play a big part in that 100% yeah. we haven't even spoken about that have we yeah. and when we talk yeah, about man. kids hanging out with their mates late at night maybe they're there because something's happening at home they don't want to be around maybe they're there because they're bored maybe they're there because their mates have texted them or you know sent yeah. send them a snapchat saying hey we're here you've got to get here <laughs> yeah. well it the pressure there exactly. you know yeah. not even to do anything just to be there Other yeah. just don't
0: go at all yeah well and
1: it's a, a bit know.
2: difficult <laughs> fear of missing out is a big thing as well yeah,
1: so. yeah. yeah. what's going on there that do I need to be there yeah 100% I yeah. want to there yeah. <laughs> <What's>, <laughs> i can't not i can't not see yeah. them the next day and have to find out what happened I yeah. There, so. yeah when
0: you're young you're curious to know what's going on yeah i yeah. <laughs> yeah. to leave
1: them yeah but um you know you've got to have some personal responsibility as well and think yeah. about consequences and stuff it's hard for young people yeah you know yeah. to balance up what's what's gonna what's the worst thing that could happen i don't want to think about that i just want to be there
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're just thinking about the moment not what's going to
1: yeah. happen next
0: 100 yeah. percent. yeah well I think that's all for today. Um, thank you so much for coming, Damien. No, no, worries. Um, it's been a great pleasure talking to you. I'm live from a College in Werribee, Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Mac Live on Live FM. My name is Dante Broney. These are my co hosts, Daryl, Seth, and Matt. Um, thank you for joining us today. Um, we hope you found this information useful. And until next time, have a great day. <laughs>